Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this narration of the web novel, Solo Apocalypse, taken from Royal Road. If you have the time and you enjoyed this chapter or any of the following chapters, please head over to the link in the description. Give the author a follow or a thumbs up or a review or five stars or whatever it may be whenever it is you listen to this. It helps the author out significantly, which is a good thing. Anyways, on to the story. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Prologue I floated amongst the nebula of stars, bursting colors, galaxy, planetary bodies, and space dust, dominating the view of creation. The place seemed to swirl, blurring, as if time itself moved differently. Then it slowed, compressed, and my perspective shifted. A paragon stood beside me, as if he'd been there the whole time, looking out towards space. It was an amicable silence. I had no idea where I was, how I got you, but nothing ever happened without reason. Welcome to your genesis, human. The man, his body, an exemplar of perfection, spoke easily. An undercurrent of intrigue, amusement, and routine were all evident in his tone. He was looking around at the view. Your kind have interesting notions of rebirth. Rebirth? I said slowly, looking around as he did. I am a god, the man said simply, and your world is being born again. That simple statement, absurdity of the situation, and his calm demeanor managed to convince me to take his words at face value. If this was an illusion or a hallucination, was there really any harm in going with the flow? Why? Instead of some great answer, some final reckoning or calamitous event, the answer was anything but. No reason in particular, God spoke. I am sure that your kind will attribute meaning to the years to come, but there is truly no deeper meaning than the cycle of entropy, a random chance. I see, I said, skeptical. And this rebirth, what exactly does this mean for Earth, and why am I speaking to you? For your planet, it means the destabilization of society as you know it, the altering of the very structure of your world. It means natural disasters the world over, the death, billions, new species and creatures to populate a vastly new world. His words spoken with such surety, as if he'd been seen the countless times before, made me shiver and grow cold. But with the shadows come light, wonders anew, technology and magic beyond your civilization could ever hope. A new frontier, a world that is vibrant and alive, teeming with mystery and new discoveries. As for me speaking with you, he continued, my attention on his every word, entropy once more, a random chance. Or in other words, he'd been bored. I suppose it would get boring, I shrugged, gesturing to him, doing whatever it is you do. A conversation with a mortal might not be terrible for your mental health. The god glanced at him, smirking. Perhaps not. He smiled, lapsing into comfortable silence. You uh, spoke of Genesis, I eventually asked. This place, he answered. It is your notion of rebirth and renewal. A concept from your subconscious. Here, you shall be given the tools to thrive, if only you seek it. 
What does that mean? Simply open your eyes to what has always been there. A selection. He waved his hand, and suddenly the colors in the astral sky became something else. Limpricks of light, some dimmer, others brighter, each one unique. An offering tailored to the life you've so far lived. Every achievement and feat, every demonstration of skill or ability, every habit and tendency, and offering for every moment of significance. My eyes took in the entirety of my life and found myself wanting. The colors of space seemed muted now, rather than vibrant. The swirls of light had condensed, shrunk, but left the sky black and lifeless. Gone was the celestial glory, replaced by a candle in comparison. This is me, I thought to my childhood. The friendships I'd made only to be torn away as my family moved. New relations sabotaged by divorced parents. Their eventual deaths. The way I had barely coasted through high school, then through college. Not a single meaning in any of it, yet... I enraged against it in my own way, a silent defiance that something would come. I was waiting. I'd been waiting my whole life for something or someone to sweep me off my feet, to hit me with a sudden certainty everyone else claimed. The gift of looking forward and knowing which way to step. I still didn't know, but that step awaited me. The new world sounded dangerous. The way the gods spoke, the death of billions, how likely were people to die during the first day of uh, all of this? Survival. It wasn't exactly something new to me. Trying to live on what amounted to rations, scrounging out an education and scholarship. Not new, no. But to survive in the face of a natural disaster against monsters and dangers that actively sought my life. That was new. I touched a pinprick of light so far and yet so close. A gesture, a thought, enough to bring it to the newfound focus right in the palm of my hand. One amongst thousands, despite the dark sky. An offering, as the god had said. A boon. I realized I was too calm. The stark clarity of the detail was enough to pierce my drifting mind. The entire place was too dreamlike, too surreal. I wasn't really here. This was all hallucination. The thought made me panic. The colors swirled, destabilizing. The paragon, the god beside me, spoke firmly. You must choose, mortal, before your time here is over. There were too many choices, too many sensations, too many lights. My eyes glazed over, focusing and refocusing, finding what light spoke to me and which didn't. What offering was best? How was I to know? My time grew short, and I willed myself to concentrate, centering my focus, searching. Hundreds, thousands, too fast to count, too short to consider them all. I tried anyway. I grabbed something, guided by more than my senses, and, in an instant, came away reborn. End of chapter. Chapter 1 My eyes shut open to screams, yelling and rumbling. I felt bruised, battered, and I realized I was lying in a pile of rubble. I staggered to my feet, groaning, trying to find out where I was. Desks, chairs, a broken projector, bags, and unmoving bodies. The university campus, the lecture hall, was ruined, strewn with debris. People were screaming outside, 
and some of what I'd feared were corpses were actually waking up, groaning like I did. What the hell happened? I rubbed the back of my head. Outside, through the glass windows, the campus was destroyed. I saw something stalk through the plaza, a dog or a wolf, only too large for the distance. I was entranced, confused, but I couldn't take my eyes off of how unnatural it was, how out of place, despite the state of the university. Then someone ran past, screaming, out of reach, beyond any attempts at warning. There was nothing I could do. Its attention flicked to the runner, bloody and obviously injured. Its nostrils flared and it bounded across the open plaza. I looked away, eyes wide. I saw a flash of red to scarlet blood before I could fully tear my eyes from the scene. It put everything into perspective. All the stains in the plaza, the debris. Some of it was... uh, I vomited on the floor, coughing, teary-eyed. Notice, you have gained solo class. Notice, you have gained the class skill, never alone. The sudden bright lettering was less disorienting than it should have been. Solid, smooth, and certain in a world of sudden chaos. His vision blurred, but the words didn't. Hey, uh, we have to get out of here. Anyone else, man? Someone yelled, voice shaking. Well, what's happening? A girl whimpered. I looked at them, realizing something had blasted through the lecture hall. There was a body smeared across the floor, and it wasn't human. I tried to stop myself from hyperventilating, to suppress my shaking hands. I glanced around hesitantly, finding my backpack. School supplies, a laptop, a water flask, nothing else. I pulled it on, grip white knuckles on the strap. Vague memories came back to me. A beautiful, astral sky. Lights. The notion of apocalypse. I breathed in and out. Deep breaths in vain attempt to steady myself. People were arguing in harsh whispers, but my eyes were glued to the outside. The university was in ruins, unrecognizable, not for the fact that it had been destroyed, but it had been spliced with some other terrain. My heart sped up as some lumbering beast cocked its head towards us. Monster! The word rang in my mind as an absolute. We need to go, my voice was shaky. No! I wasn't sure if I was talking to myself or them. It got everyone's attention regardless. Fear and hesitance. I stared back at them for a heartbeat before shouldering my backpack and getting the hell out of the room. Blood and viscera was bound to tickle the nose of anything passing by. Where the hell are you going? Someone called after me. We're good as dead out there. Going outside wasn't the plan. That'd be the same as suicide with those things roaming around. The lecture hall was connected to an underground lab. The type of experiments requiring thick steel doors and other such precautions. I found the access stairwell, normally unexplored by students and left to professors, lab aides, or other staff. The hallway below was a bleak affair, old yellow lights and clean yet plain linoleum. It might as well have been heaven compared to above. I found one of the doors to the lab room, thick steel with cautionary warnings during active experiments. Unoccupied, going by the green vacancy card. I tugged on it, and I was met with a groaning creak. Something thumped against the other side, angry and vicious, desperate, with enough ferocity to indicate an absence of humanity. I shut the door rapidly, with a hollow thunk, hearing it click back into place, only to find a green, ugly thing staring at me from the end of the hall. 
deeper into the academic labs. It was an ugly, knobby thing, a humanoid with lanky limbs and uneven features, no taller than my hip. It was enough to make me go cold. It hadn't been there when I'd come down, and it stood in the center of the hallway with eerie stillness. I stared at it, frozen in fear, my mind deciding between fight or fright, overloading at the decision. But no, it was moving, arms slowly raising, mouth revealing sharp teeth. Then it screamed, and I was scrambling backwards, falling onto the plain floors, limbs railing in a futile attempt to run. It loped at me like a beast, and I cried in desperation, kicking and clawing in my own way. It was grinning at me, and my fear, right up until my foot found its gut. It slid across the floor, hacking, coughing, keening with pain, breathing hard. It took a moment for me to figure out what happened. I'd kicked it, and it felt pain. A surge of emotion came over me, and I advanced, screaming, reared back, and I cracked it across the forehead with another kick. Its head rebounded off the wall, groaning until finally stilling, scarlet liquid staining the floor. I stood there, panting. Notice, you have leveled up, level two. What the hell is happening? In the chaos, I'd forgotten about the strange screens, attributing them to some kind of sick hallucination. Reality had settled in. Some twisted version of it, I'd gotten a class called Solo, and a class skill. Everything came to me in clarity, with the barest intention. What is this? Name, Erin Winst. Level 2, Class Solo. Strength 6, Constitution 5, Dexterity 5, Agility 6, Perception 9, Intelligence 10, Wisdom 13, Willpower 15, Charisma 4, Luck 4, Stat Points 1, Skills, Never Alone. I glanced around, listening for anything out of the ordinary, before tucking into the shadow of the stairwell. Anything coming or going and I'd hear their steps. Then I turned my focus onto this whatever the hell this was. It didn't take me more than a few moments to realize that this was me. Evan winced, not particularly fit nor out of shape. No more coordinated or faster than the next, jaded and observant, somewhat studious, determined and resolved, antisocial to a degree, and most certainly, unlucky. All summarized. It almost felt like a game to me, until I heard the screams above, a girl's scream. I closed my eyes and tried not to think, tried to calm my breathing once more. I failed miserably. Distraction and focus, I needed both. What was the skill? It had to be useful, enough to tip the scales of survival. It had to be, so I didn't end up like a... That. I glanced upward, shivering. Skill, never alone. Even working alone, it is never hurts to have another set of eyes. Better yet, when they're yours, you are able to replicate yourself to a certain degree and capacity. It came to me in more than just words. Confusion at first, then sudden understanding, an intrinsic knowledge of... How to use the skill. I didn't take even a moment to consider it. I knew I needed it. I took a step to the side, some instance of myself left behind to fork into individualism, and suddenly I was staring at myself. Me. A man neither short nor tall, an average bold, and generally nondescript save for a pair of pale green eyes. He had the same messy hair I did, the same clothes too, a pair of joggers and a hoodie. Comfortable. And from his searching face, exactly my own thoughts. He looked at me and both our minds whirled, catching up to what I'd just done. I had just 
replicated myself. The implications danced across my consciousness. I wondered, well, um, I know I'm a clone. That's one question answered, he said to me, looking just as bewildered. We didn't even have to mention the absurdity between us. It was plain on either of our faces. Whatever was happening outside, I now had myself to watch my back. It was uncannily comforting. Was it my general disposition that made me accept it so fast? Or something altering my threshold for the impossible? Or the knowledge I'd never betray myself? Maybe it was because with what I'd seen above, that good news was so desperately welcome. No matter how strange. I didn't dare question a blessing, but I was still curious of its nature. Is there any differences between us? I asked, wondering if his status as a clone gave him any insight beyond what I knew, what I suddenly and instinctively knew. I'm uh, weaker, I think, he responded. A fraction of the original. You, uh, uh, this is weird, man. That's what I thought. Yeah, I decided. Any shoes which were mine, I'd probably appreciate blunt forwardness in the situation. If we're navigating this apocalypse, you know, it's probably best for you to be in front. He took a breath and exhaled. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I think I'm a little less scared of death. Expendable. God, that's weird, he said. This is crazy, I said, sitting down. What happened up there? The university is destroyed. Monsters roaming the campus. And it's like the whole forest was teleported to the middle. My other self took a seat nearby. You know I know just as much as you. I can't be the only one with new abilities, I said, almost sure of it. Yeah. I don't think so either. Well, uh, you're me, so we'll probably thought the same. Yeah. Yeah. End of chapter. Chapter 2. We, or I, depending on how someone saw it, moved cautiously through the underground wing. I thought the underground labs would be infested with those ugly green things. It turned out it was alone. Nothing had come looking for it. When that became clear, the objective shifted to protection or shelter. My clone took point, with both of us hesitant at every door. Him, lesser. Earlier, there'd been something in one of the labs strong enough to make an audible knock on the thick steel. We'd left that particular room alone, venturing down the laboratory wing, and too fearful to try another sealed door. The lights above flickered ominously. I realized between me and my other self, I needed no words. It was nothing in any language I was familiar with. A telepathic intuition that proved itself over and over in the small time I had created him. We were inexplicably synced. I was inexplicably synced. Which made the roundabout sense, considering that we were both myself. My head hurt. We pushed down the hallway, clone taking up point. He turned right, then turned left, and from five meters behind... It was like I already knew what was up ahead. My other self didn't turn to me in surprise, seeking a reaction or communicating anything significant. Instead, I knew. To the left, the hallway ended and opened up into something that shouldn't have been. A cave, judging from the stalagmites, slick rock, and cold draft. One that most definitely didn't exist under the university before. To the right was what looked like to be a storage closet. We started with that. I deemed watching the cave of less risk than opening the door, which spoke to the danger I felt. My clone took a second task. It was a strange telepathic perspective as he opened the storage closet, racing, 
instead of clawing monsters or instantaneous death. Her chest was glowing green, a richer shade than even my pale eyes. Notice, you have discovered an uncommon chest. There was that notification again, that chime in my head. It was something between spoken, written, and felt, and none of them at all. A simple, sudden knowing. The uncommon chest was ornate, the kind of container you'd almost be sure held valuables. With everything going on, the glowing chest would be nothing else but a part of the new reality, and if it held valuables. It didn't take long to decide what to do. My clone opened it, unafraid of traps or danger that might have given me pause. He sat on his knees and did the latches and opened up the box of light. The glow faded as he did so, revealing an item within. Notice, you have gained spider silk backpack. It was a backpack made of black leather or hide. That was it. In terms of valuables, wasn't exactly what I was expecting. It certainly didn't detract from the feeling of constant vulnerability and exposure. Staring into the cave system, I imagined something moving. Figures behind the static mites, eyes in the darkness. It wasn't safe here, but it was this or the campus. I was torn, shocked into indecision, hesitance born of fear. I took the bag for my other self. It's lighter than it has any right to be, he whispered, and uh, I think it's bigger on the inside. Though I already knew it, I think we both knew I needed someone to talk to, even if it was myself. Item, spider silk backpack. A backpack crafted from superior light materials. It is enchanted for extra storage and weight reduction. I took the description in stride, trying to make sense of everything, seeing where this fit into my survival. It's good for supplies, I muttered, regarding the description as it appeared in my mind. It was more than just sight that communicated what this item was. I had looked at my skill description, hadn't I? Could I do the same for my class? What did it mean to be solo? It sounded so much like a game. I wasn't sure whether to embrace it or understand that this new reality was no such thing. Class solo. The solo excels at what their name suggests. They are self-sufficient individuals who rely entirely on themselves... Their speciality lies in their capacity to act on their own. Their skills have a wide range of applications and are not necessarily confined to any one field. Only that whatever path chosen is walked alone. I looked to my clone. Guess you don't count. The other me shrugged. Technically, we are solo. Kind of. So, uh, never alone is a way for me to move in a group without being in a group, I muttered. Actually, I stepped to the left leaving another of myself behind, and suddenly there were three of me. He looked at both of us, and all three of us intoned, Weird. Evan the third asked the question on my mind. Can you do it again? I tried, but three of me seemed to be the limit. Right now, at least. I couldn't tell what governed that limit, but there was a sneaking suspicion. Name Evan winced, level two, class solo. Strength 6, Constitution 5, Dexterity 5, Agility 6, Perception 9, Intelligence 10, Wisdom 13, Willpower 15, Charisma 4, Luck 4, Stat Points 1, Skills, Never Alone. That instinctual knowledge guided me, and I had a sense that Never Alone was primarily governed by some combination of Wisdom, Willpower, and Charisma. I looked at the skill more closely. Skill, Never Alone. 
Even working alone, it never hurts to have another set of eyes. Better yet when they're yours. You are able to replicate yourself to a certain degree and capacity. Max copies. Wisdom plus willpower plus charisma divided by ten. Copies have halved strength, constitution, dexterity, and agility. All other attributes are retained. More details appeared. Interesting. So you guys have half my physical capability, but you keep everything else, I said to myself. M myself. The fact perception is retained seems to be the most crucial. More eyes, more information, Evan the second added. Something we're lacking, I replied softly, looking at the cave. I shifted my mental perspective on myself, naming them second and third. They didn't need anything more to figure out what I was planning. A single glance at the cave, an idea, and the two were suddenly in a very intense match of rock, paper, scissors. Second ended up losing. He exhaled, but didn't argue or dally. Then with a glance at us, he started creeping into the cave. A forward scout, expendable, ideal. I felt bad about sending myself to his doom, but I realized that I, that is, him, deemed it just as necessary. I tracked his progress in a strange telepathic perspective. A second set of eyes, third taken to watching the intersection hallway for anything that might have followed us. I glanced at him. Can you see what second does, the same way I do? Yeah. He's moving between the stalagmites. He inhaled sharply, having seen what I saw. I thought that was a puddle. We all did. But second smelled the iron wafting up from the liquid, too dark for any of the red color to appear. Blood. The initial lobby of the cave was empty save for that. He'd walked the perimeter and noted the tunnels, of which there were many. They led in every direction. He chose one at random and continued upwards, seeking the surface. A breeze of air, no. A breath. Second looked up, and I felt his fear as an echo no less real than my own. Something hung on the wall, shining eyes in the darkness, long limbs that came to scythes, skittering. Then he died. My perspective snapped back to my own self so sucked into his eyes that I slammed back into the wall, hyperventilating, wide eyes looking around, feeding at my throat, my torso. I sat, paralyzed, and I realized I was screaming. End of chapter. Chapter 3 Something screamed back at me, and I realized it was myself. Get me hold of yourself, third was hissing. Some part of me knew my other self was right, that screaming was akin to death. But I just died. I felt my throat being cut, my chest pierced. The sensation so fresh in my mind made my body convulse and squirm. Warm blood covered me, seeping through my clothes. At some point, I realized that I was being carried hand over my mouth. My vision was blurry with tears, my face covered in snot. I didn't want to move. I wanted to curl up and hide. A part of me raged at that, angry for the first time in God knows how many years. Truly angry. Of all the crap I'd been through, this is what braced me. That stubborn, idiotic thought cut to me. My parents dying, struggling through school, working part-time and juggling grades good enough for scholarship. The sacrifice of my entire social life, for years and years, alone. This a damn apocalypse was going to shut me down. It was so ridiculous I started laughing. A laugh so absurd and out of place, it was enough to snap me back into focus, to center my emotions and mind. I stood up. Third had taken me to one of the labs, chanting to open the door. It was empty, 
and he'd brought me in after checking the fact. I took a step away from myself and greeted second the second. Technically the fourth, but I stuck with my own convention. He looked at me how I'd looked at myself, which again was understandable. There was nothing to comfort, no words needed to be said. We were all the same. Me. Anger burned red hot in others. People lost control, hurt those around them and themselves. I would know most of all. I was once a troubled kid prone to violent bursts of anger. I had cooled down since then, found my peace with the world. That didn't mean I couldn't be angry at a new one. Now, anger for me was a simmering cold, the kind of cold that burned and hissed. It brought ice to my veins and washed me in a sudden clarity. That was me now. I secured the laboratory. No other entrances, but no other exits. The thick steel door wasn't ideal. It was still better than being exposed in a hallway, open to a cave monster. I suppressed a shiver as I rummaged through the room in three different places. Boxes of neatly organized safety equipment, goggles, gloves, lab coats, masks, amongst others. Two fire extinguishers, two first aid kits along the walls, an emergency shower, an eye wash station, microscopes, beakers, funnels, and bottles, flasks, test tubes, pipettes, and other tubing. Second, grabbed the first aid kit and managed to fit the whole thing into my spider silk backpack. Third, found the other one and did likewise. Item, spider silk backpack. A backpack crafted from superior light materials. It is enchanted for extra storage and weight reduction. Holds three times its volume, reduces weight by half. More details. I'd have to make sure to inspect things more thoroughly when they came up. Check if the water's running, one of us said. Someone turned a knob and we had a stream of water going, crystal clear and cold. We took to filling the bottles and stalled those in my bag too. Survival meant food, water and shelter. I needed a source of food. My mind whirled with ideas, but nothing made sense pursuing without an advance of information. Now that I had calmed down, as much as anyone could be expected to given the circumstances, I thought about what was best. I didn't think that I could survive going through the cave even with forewarning. Whatever that creature was, it had uh, killed me in an instant. I hadn't even seen it before, it was just there which meant that was off the table and actually worse than going back to the surface. I come all the way down here to find a dead end, but not without buying myself time to figure out what it meant to be solo. That method of using my clones was a stroke of genius, obvious in hindsight, but unthinkable for someone in constant distress. And there was a detail coming from across my new backpack. Come to think of it, I should check that chest out as well. Second watches the hallway, Third checks the uncommon chest. I think I get the notifications even if I'm sitting right here. Then, you survey up above, I said. Taking a seat at one of the lab stations, the position was so familiar I had vertigo. As if I was in a lab waiting for one of the aides to lead the experiments. I shook it off, handing them lab masks. And I think it's better if I don't advertise I can clone myself. Sounds good, Second responded, taking the mask and covering his face. Yeah, third replied, doing the same. Both looked the same, unfortunately, matching outfits, same black masks, same posture, height, and movements. At least the face was covered. I saw them out the door, shut it, then locked it. The metal clicked into place with a deep thunk, and I was alone again. I sat there, tracking their progress, 
quietly piling up chairs or tables against the door. Second peered around the corner towards the cave and, after a moment, third was moving for the storage closet. There he found an uncommon chest, something we'd barely stopped to inspect further. Item, uncommon chest. Chests are hidden troves of treasure, capable of holding great boons and riches. This chest has the potential to hold uncommon valuables, either in effect, rarity, or quality. That was interesting. Hidden troves of treasure. What made something worthy of a notification like this? I wasn't quite sure. But it was obvious nothing ever mentioned in the strange way was normal. I was the first piece of evidence. Something had changed me, altered me. I could have thought about it all day, but my mind was outside, tracking myself. I moved about perfectly in sync. Not practiced, no. But my rhythm was evident between each of my clones. One watched, the other move. I did both, clearing the building. Three times I paused, waiting, fearful, but ready. Then I was moving again. This was a science building. Biology, botany, marine, ecology, pre-med, biomedical, and the like. And there was dead bodies. In the laboratory, the original me suppressed an urge to throw up. Not all the bodies were whole, and clearly, some weren't just halved, but half-eaten. Chewed. I moved through the building, eyes for anything useful, for any survivors. Both me's paused at the lecture hall that I'd been attending, a general science course. There was an oddly smooth concrete slope to the one side, rubble everywhere else. Then I realized I was looking at something that had melted it. I didn't see people I had left behind. They had either fled or died. Maybe both. The second me chanced to peek out of the lecture hall, a destroyed campus, worse than before. Now that I had more time to look, I saw the terrain that seemed to be spiced with what I knew from the university was something akin to a forest. Tall trees in the background where there was none before, thick vines hanging between them. I frowned backing away from the exposed lecture hall and proceeded upwards to the top of the building. I felt others would have done the same if there were any. I stopped at the nurse's office, hearing something, breath, muffled and pained. I took up both sides of the door and froze. There was a trail of blood leading inside. On an invisible beat, I pushed into the room. End of chapter. Chapter 4 Something clattered loudly as my clone stepped into the room. A painful thud and a muffled, agonizing scream. Get away from me! There was a wide-eyed man sitting on the floor with bloodied bandages around him. He had his hand up, facing me. Not in warning, but in threat. His hand was glowing ominously. Other people's have powers too. I remembered thinking about it. Seeing it now, my mind backpedaled. He had black hair, brown eyes, and an honest face twisted with something between fear, horror, and pain. His leg was bleeding a lot. His hand came down to the grip of his thigh. Feck, he whispered. Eyes squeezed tears as he haunched over. Leave, man. I could blow you to pieces. I got nothing, so feck off. He groaned, trying to lift his hand. I moved without thinking. My clones were expendable and he had no idea how to wrap a proper tourniquet or bandage himself. He needed both. One of me ripped the sheets from one of the beds until I realized that I had sterile cloth there. The other found the bandages. He watched me hesitantly, and I realized I hadn't said anything. My mind had worked overdrive. I'd been in emergency mode. Relax, I, uh, 
We're not here to hurt you, I said. The other me spoke in the other side of the room, rummaging through the cabinets. You need to stop the bleeding. I found the material and paused. Can we come closer? I asked, eyeing his hand. With everything I'd seen actually getting blown to pieces, even pseudo-second hand wasn't an unbelievable prospect, nor was it attractive. He wavered for a moment and then groaned, cursing, before readjusting himself. Fine, a anything sketchy and I'll blow your heads off. I helped him to the bed, my other self moving to stand watch outside. It was heavier than he had any right to be. It only took a moment to realize that it wasn't it. I was weaker, half of what I should have been, an effect of never alone. I got him there regardless, him eyeing my other self who had left out the door. I is he going to be okay out there? I secured his leg, wrapping his thigh tight, right above the blood flow. He'll be fine, I said distractedly. He's got some kind of powers too, y you could say that. Fucking hell, he hissed, spittle flying. Sorry. It was a gruesome sight. It was a jagged flesh wound, sharp claws or teeth, had raked against his thigh, taking flesh along with it. Something about being there but not actually being there let me keep my head. The line between controller and observer blurred, and I was unsure if I was either when looking at my clones, looking through them. Perhaps I was both. First, second, third, or just me. I couldn't find myself to care at the moment. I wrapped his wound after cleaning it with a bowl of water, much to his swearing. The sink here worked too. He was holding himself together well by the time I finished. He was sweating, breathing hard and currently unconscious. I still needed to explore the building. There could be others, and I needed to see the state of the university from a high vantage. I needed to see exactly how my world had changed. I shut the door and left that clone with him. The other me ascended the building. I managed to make it to the roof without any problems, and there I found my sense of reality shattered. It was, to put it lightly, absolutely insane. The campus I knew was gone. There was a forest where the rest of the campus should have been, trees where the neighboring building was supposed to be. It was like a line drawn right down the front of the science building, and everything past that was something between a swamp and a forest. I looked down, past the plaza, which had been included up until the invisible line, and found murky waters and muddy ground. Vines hung from the trees that would have loomed over the campus. I had noticed it earlier, but it was humid, wet. After taking a complete look around, I went back inside and swept the building again. On the fourth floor, I came upon a gruesome sight, the girl from the lecture. I'd seen her every day for the past six weeks. Her eyes were lifeless, dull, dead. Half of her torso was just gone. I suppressed whatever I was feeling. I pushed it down, forced it down. There were bodies everywhere, gored and killed, eaten more often than not. No one else was alive except him, not in the building at least. I took his wallet and found his driver's license, then his student ID. I paused at that. It reminded me that we were the same students caught up in this hull. I could have passed him countless times on campus, but now we were strangers fighting for our lives, surrounded by the dead. I sat there simultaneously securing the building, watching the unconscious man, and hiding away in one of the underground laboratories. 
I found the humor in that absurd sentence and realized I couldn't stay here. I would need food eventually. That simple, frustrating, basic necessity would force my hand and propel me into danger unknown. I would have to leave, strike out, and possibly die. Not without a fight, I muttered downstairs. Hours passed, and I sent third exploring in the forest, scavenging, exploring, foraging. Another stream of information, invaluable with everything going on. I learned a few things. My clones didn't seem to have the range on them. They could be as far from me as I wanted, and would still retain this connection to me. They didn't experience hunger or thirst, but they could eat and drink. The forest was lush with berries and fruits, hanging near the water or high in the branches. I managed to grab some of as a shadow darted from under the water, just missing me and subsequently retreating. It made my heart race. I ate some and it had been a few hours without any side effects. It was a tentative source of food, no matter how unreliable. I explored longer, testing berries and fruits as I went. I climbed a large root, tall enough to oversee the campus. The entire forest was full of them, snaking through the waters. They served as footholds and dry spots to traverse the forest. My elevated position allowed me to see the threat as it descended on the building. I found it to be a group of those ugly green humanoids, the thing I'd found underground in the hallway. They spilled onto the campus, moving around in pairs, scavenging and picking at the remains. Third was my eyes. Second was my feet on the ground. The unconscious man stirred, groaning. Outside, I saw them move towards the science building. In minutes, this would get extremely messy. I'd handled one just barely, but this much, all of me grimaced. End of chapter. Chapter 5 I stared at the man in front of me, having tied him down with zip ties. We were both in the lab now. My actual self had gone out to help him there. A lone second was too weak. I wouldn't have risked the maneuver without having a set of eyes above the basically functioned as real-time cameras. I had just enough time. I was here, and second and third were out there. So I was both here and there. It hurt my head if I thought about it too much. My clones and I shared the same mind. But even I wasn't clear if it was three instances of the same wool or a single puppeteer. My understanding leaned towards something in between. Again, it hurt my head, so I stopped thinking and started thinking. Could I kill? That was the first question. They had tried to kill me. They were openly hostile, and I needed to survive. Yes, I could kill. Did I need to? Considering everything and their numbers, the answer was probably also yes. Then how? I sat underground, safe and sound, as my clones above worked. I directed them as much as they directed themselves, working off what we all knew. My input wasn't even needed, and I couldn't be sure if I thought of the plan or if it had come to all of us at once. Third, played Overwatch, Big Brother, the eyes in the sky, the Watcher above, so long as he saw it all, I saw it all. Second had to do the fighting, which meant that I had to fight. He would be the boots on the ground, the agent on the field, the hardest job with half my physicality. I grimaced. I couldn't risk my real self. Second stopped by the stairwell and opened another storage closet there. It was like the likeliest place to find any kind of metal implement to use as a weapon. I hadn't searched it earlier, 
but there it was, a crowbar. For now, it would be good enough. Second waited for any information to become useful. The creatures moved in pairs, and I realized that they checked all boxes for goblin, except worse. Grotesque. They move in pairs, swore simple loincloths, and had claws in both hands and feet, moving about like primates. They could speak to each other, too. I shivered. A spark of intelligence was enough to worry me. They split up into pairs, leaving one alone. Their pair goblins stalked around the building, leaving one behind to watch. They were taking it slow, which was exactly what I didn't want. That gave me a single target, outside and alone. The risk was minimal, considering the expendable nature of my clones, but losing second meant that I'd be blind to goings-on on the inside of the building. Still, any opportunity to thin their numbers was... Hey! The man, Horace, struggled to regain consciousness. Hey, what the hell? He stared around and found me sitting. You're safe, man, I calmed him down. Why the hell am I tied up? He tensed against the bonds, wary and hostile, cornered. We're in the laboratory under the building, and you're tied up because you threatened to blow me to pieces, remember? I jogged his memory. I'll clean your leg. His eyes slid to his thigh, patched up as best it could be. He relaxed, minutely. Ah, uh, I'm not going to attack you after that, he said after a moment. Christ, I was going to die. And I'm not doing this for anything but my safety, I replied, tracking the happenings above. I have no idea what you can do, but I saw your hand glowing, and I'm trusting you on your threats. Second dashed out as soon as third confirmed the little goblin thing had turned around. I watched myself brain the creature from behind. Its body fell to with a muffled thump. The other four were on the other side of the building. I had enough time to drag the corpses near the murky water and was just strong enough to throw it in, leaving no trace. I, I'm not going to hurt you, dude, he said, having calmed down. You can untie me. I'm, I'm not stupid enough to, to attack the only group of survivors. I saddened at that. There's no one else, I asked quietly. I saw them die, he said blankly. His eyes were seeing something else. Then uh, it went for me and, uh, well, he gestured, tried to, at his leg. What's your name? I asked him, though I already knew. Horace Wakes, he replied. And you? Where are the others? Evan winced, I said. The others uh, are outside. The pair of goblins rounded the building and found their other member missing. They gibbered at each other, looking around questioningly before pointing to the building's entrance. The two of them approached the door, walked through. I was waiting on the other side. I didn't need to hear them to know where they were. I waited for them to fully enter, waited for the right angle. Then I kicked the door shut behind them and swung for the one's head, knocking it out in a pile of flailing limbs. The other one hissed, lunged for me instantly, but I dodged backwards and swung again, smashing its skull in. Two more. Do, do you see all of this too? Horace asked, gesturing loosely. Ah, uh, level, claw, strength, dex, all of that. Yeah. I replied, his words confirming I wasn't crazy. It looked like everyone had something similar. If they lived long enough to discover it, the thought was sobering. What did you get? He asked pointedly. There was, uh, were people with abilities, he grimaced. I think there were skills. I have one too. I, I saw someone shoot flames from his hands. Notice, you have leveled up, level three. To say I was distracted was wrong. 
I had my entire attention on the conversation, just as I had my entire attention on the happenings outside. Here, I was having a conversation about the end of the world. Out there, I lived it. If you don't mind, I'll keep it to myself, I replied as a claw raked across my back. Horace leaned back and I brought the crowbar down, breaking bones from the sound of its crunch. The visceral sound of flesh and bone, right in that moment, threatened to overwhelm me, all of me. I'd clubbed them upside the head, but I'd never looked. Now, I had to. I had to fight this living creature struggling against a killer, with an arm that bent the wrong way, bleeding, but alive. It's friend, no. I could not think of them like that yet. I... I saw a lifeless body in the background, one part of my world moving slowly, defending against the creature I could end with a swing of my weapon. Second threw up, and I screamed, What the feck? Horace jumped, pressing against the wall. What the feck's wrong with you? Fear in his eyes. I groaned, grabbing my eye, realizing I could see, blinking. I was still screaming, not here, but there, bleeding from my eye, crying. My hand was bloodied, my own blood. The crowbar was slick in my grip but my knuckles were white. You fucking bastard! Then, I killed the last goblin. End of chapter. Greetings, ladies and metagents, and welcome to this narration of the web novel Solo Apocalypse, taken from Royal Road. If you're new to the series, there is a playlist listed down below in the description. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Chapter 6 One moment of weakness, and it had stabbed me in the eye. Its hand had been in my eye socket, claws gouging. I experienced it all of it, the pain, the injury, the feeling of the wriggling fingers of losing an eye. I wondered if this was how people missing limbs felt. I was probably the only person ever to experience this, having lost a part of me that I still had. All of me was breathing hard. This was worse than dying. No, not really, because I'd done that too, hadn't I? Down there in the cave. Horace looked at me like I was insane, and I couldn't even blame him. I was putting pressure on my face, my eye, blinking to make sure that it was still there. I must have looked crazy. Muscles in my eye were working strangely, intimately aware of how it felt to not have an eye. And so, my face was twitching. Sorry, I replied. It wasn't much of an assurance, but I had no excuse, nor did I owe him one. This was the apocalypse, and I'd fecked up and paid for it. I'd felt deflated, hollow, spent and wrung out, dying, and then getting your eye gouged out. Apparently did that to you. Dude, are you okay? You're not going to kill me, right? He said, slightly panicked. His voice cut through the fogged mind. No, man. I looked at him, considering everything. My name is Evan Winst. I took my wallet out, opened it pulled out my student ID card and flung it onto the floor in front of him. I'm a student here, like you. Or, um, I was. Oh, what's your major? The question was so out of place, so jarringly normal, that cut straight through whatever I was experiencing. Second, above, laughed. Third followed, and then finally me, like a ripple of slow emotion. He looked at me in panic again. Right, sorry. Part of me was bloody, missing an eye, and still screaming and cursing at the world. That was just about the most incredibly mundane thing that you could ask. Given all of this, I waved meekly. Ah, 
crap, yeah, he said quickly. It took me a minute for my fogged mind to catch up. Emotion and trauma and pain had taken the circuit around my head. He was scared of me, I realized. I wasn't, couldn't take any more risks, though. When my clones came back, that was when he'd be released. Not when I could be in danger from whatever power this apocalypse had given him. There was a knock on the door, enough that it sounded like something of a passcode. From inside, I unlatched and opened the door. I found myself half staring at me, covered in blood. I knew I was there and still managed to be surprised. This was me. A man neither short nor tall, one pale green eye, staring behind the mask. His hood was down. He'd been trying to get fresh air. Impossible. Given that the gore that covered him, the blood that seeped into his hoodie, tears and blood. My clones, apparently, could handle a little bit of damage. I say little, but the pain was debilitating, consuming. I didn't know how to treat it, even if I needed to. I was holding the crowbar like a lifeline, angry that I'd lost my composure. I couldn't afford to make the mistake, not when my life was on the line. That was the beauty of Never Alone, I suppose. A cruel beauty. What the feck? Horace said softly as I let him in and closed the door. Bloody me, second, walked over. Then he sat heavily against the wall. I think it's time you told us what you saw up there, second said, and what powers you have. Horace looked at me, the clean, non-intimidating me, and I nodded. We can't let you go if there's a chance you turn around and kill us. The words left my mouth cold. Kill, lingering on my tongue like bile. He took one look at second and complied, shifting in place. It was an earthquake. I was at the plaza when it happened. An earthquake that had to max out whatever scale they measured those things on. Everything in view was shaking. He took a breath. I uh, think it was when I saw the words, felt them, heard them, whatever. It said I gained some stuff. But I didn't even have time to consider it. I looked up and realized that the campus was gone. Then I jumped around and found the science building was the only one left. I ran there. So did other students, and I, uh, I saw them die. Right, right in front of me, he choked. Parts of the building broke down, and I think a lot of people were stuck. By the time I found people who at least knew what was going on, there were things, hunting, killing, and eating. I don't know what happened, but I managed to kill one. After it killed four people, his breath sped up, so did mine. I'd been unconscious in the rubble, along with, I assumed, most of the people attending the lecture. I remember that handful of survivors. Should I have stayed with them, or would that have condemned me, or saved them all? They, they, they were gone when I woke up. I was bleeding and didn't know anything but to go to the nurse's office. That's when you found me, he said. I didn't see a single one of those creatures after. He looked at us, me. Thank you, by the way. I never got around to saying that. It looked like he knew exactly as much as I did. That was to say, nothing. Apocalypse, strange messages, weird powers, death and survival. But perhaps I could get some context for it all. Were other people using abilities? I asked. What was the scope here? Could someone have the power to destroy the entire building? Summon lightning. Someone shot flames from his hand. 
I think I already told you that. There was this girl that could, uh... uh she tried to shield herself, so, some kind of barrier. It, it didn't work. Um, another guy was, was stronger than normal. Enough to stagger the thing with a punch to the side. The, the last guy, uh, died before doing anything. He ended weakly. Were they classes, like my solo, or just skills? I wasn't exactly sure what the difference was. And you? I asked him. What can you do? This time, my voice was raw, and it came from the me that sat covered in gore and blood. I... I can just shoot, like a, a bolt of energy, powerful enough to take a head off. Just the skill? I asked him, somewhat disappointed. Yeah, he confirmed, eyeing the gore-covered scout. And you guys? It was straightforward. No doubt probably useful. But did it help with survival beyond the application protection? Because that's what this apocalypse was. Survival. You could starve just as well as be killed. That was the problem. He still thought that he was talking to two people. I wish I could have the spark of hope in his eyes. That feeling of protection that came in numbers. In reality, there were only two people here. Stranded. And paranoid or not, I wasn't planning on disclosing any details. Then, how to proceed? End of chapter. I would quickly like to thank the Tier 5 members, Marky, Cam Maxwell, Casper Arnolds, Oakfield, Lord Azrakul, and it's difficult to pronounce. Thank you very much.